Good morning. I hope you had a, a happy 4th of July. These days, um, it actually seems that some would want us to be ashamed of being American citizens. And I want to say, first and foremost, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. However, I am very, very thankful that I am also an American citizen. We have so many freedoms. We have so many privileges here in the United States that people in other countries would not even dream of having. And I've had the privilege of being in seven different countries. And uh, I enjoyed my experience in each and every one. The people that are there are just as valuable to God as any American citizen is. But I would not even for a second give up the freedoms I have here in the United States to go and to live in any of those uh, other countries. So we are not a perfect place. Let's continue to work hard uh, to love people and honor the people the way God desires us to live. There is no perfect country because every country is filled with sinful, broken people. And the United States is filled with sinful, broken people who need the Lord. So let's do our part when we can. But uh, uh, what we can do for our country more than anything is continue to pray that its leaders and that us as its people would turn our heart to the Lord and uh, love the Lord and, and honor him. So this morning we find ourselves in chapter 3 of Proverbs. If you've got your own Bible or a phone and you want to flip there, I would encourage you to do so. Um, we are all here for a reason. Uh, nobody is here by coincidence. We're, the, uh, we're, we're, we're here on a holiday weekend and I want to say I'm thankful that you're here. But use this time not to hear from me, but to hear from God's word. Even begin now to pray, Lord, what would you have to teach me specifically from your word uh, this morning? This, this summer, we have been in a nine-week series on the Proverbs, uh, and that series is entitled Life Hacks, Learning to Live from the Book of Proverbs. And as we launch into chapter three this morning, I want to remind you of something that Levi has already shared with us, but I think it's very important that we, we understand it. When a proverb talks about the physical world or the present world that we're living in, it's usually giving us a general principle when it's talking about how life works this side of heaven. When a proverb talks about eternal life and what awaits us in heaven, that is a promise. That's not a general principle. It's a promise. And Solomon, as he, he talks, kind of weaves both of those things in and out. And so we want to be careful not to take something that Solomon intends as a general principle about how life works. We want to be careful not to take that as a hard, fast promise and then be disappointed in God because he didn't answer his promise. Uh, and we also want to, when we, we read a, a truth about heaven and what awaits us at the, the end of this life, we don't want to think of that as a general promise. We want to be encouraged that those are exactly what they are. They are hard and fast promises. And be, just be aware of both of those. So as we have seen in, in uh, Proverbs, Solomon, the author, lays out two different paths that we can take in life. The path of wisdom and the path of foolishness. One leads generally to blessing in life and the other to painful consequences. And like a loving parent, God is using Solomon to plead with his children 
to plead with you and I to choose the path of wisdom. So I don't know what's on your hearts today, what decisions you have to make. Uh, a lot of what we're going to hear from the first part of chapter 3 is going to talk again about trusting God with decisions, uh, the big decisions and the little decisions. But if you're in a season of making some decisions, I want you to really laser in on how God might use his word this morning to give you some direction. Last week, Levi covered chapter 2. This morning, in the first part of chapter 3, we are going to look at, as Solomon points out, some more specific truth about wisdom. And this morning, I've entitled this message, Learn to Live or You'll Have to Live and Learn. This next screen kind of illustrates where we're headed. Some of you have been there and maybe done that. I hope you're the kid on the bike and not the one underneath. That phrase, good judgment comes from experience, and experience, well, that comes from poor judgment. You and I know that the school of hard knocks will teach us a lot in this world, but uh, it is a long and it is a painful curriculum. After making really bad decisions that bring either a physical or relational or financial pain and suffering, we often say to ourselves, well, I guess I got to live and learn. And you know, I'm not arguing that there aren't a lot of things that we learn from mistakes that we make. Certainly we, we do. But thankfully, God actually has a better plan than live and learn. Uh, God has a plan that, that allows us to, to learn and then apply what we learn and live a life. Uh, it's possible to, to learn how to steward resources so that we don't have to experience financial ruin. It's possible to learn how to do healthy relationships so we don't have to experience a lot of drama in our earthly relationships. It's possible actually to learn how to parent well so that our children will experience the best life possible. This morning, as we look at the first 12 verses of chapter 3, we will encounter What Levi has already read, what might be the most famous proverb in in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 5 and 6. And and follow along as I read these verses, and uh, then what we're going to do is simply take a closer look at four simple truths related to wisdom. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, Solomon writes, My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Let's begin as we take just another look at verses 1 through 4 and see, first of all, that wisdom is rooted in sound teaching. Wisdom is rooted in sound teaching. Solomon says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands. If you have your own Bible, you might want to underline teaching and keep my commands. And keep them in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness not leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So in this, this section, in verses 1 and 3, Solomon gives some very specific instruction to follow. And then in verses 2 and 4, kind of sandwiched between there, he provides a general outcome if you obey. The specific instruction, again, has to do with teaching and, and the commands that God gives. In verse 3, Solomon taught his children the godly virtues of love and faithfulness. He said, these are to be worn around your neck and written on your heart. In other words, God's truth should shape our outward behavior, that something hangs around your neck, you can physically see it. But, but it also should be written on our hearts. It should shape our value system and what goes on on the inside as well. Solomon says God's truth is the source of real wisdom. We saw that in week one as well. So because God's truth is the source of real wisdom, we are wise to learn it, to love it, to remember it, but all above all, to obey it. So why does Solomon want his children to follow this instruction? Simply because there are benefits in this life and the next. Look, at, look now at verses 2 and 4, the general outcomes of, of obedience, of following sound teaching Verse 2 says, they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Verse 4 says, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God, people that are here on earth, or, or God up in heaven, and, and man, people who are here on earth. Now again, this is where we have to be careful. This is a general principle. He's not promising uh, uh, or preaching a, a, a gospel of, of prosperity, health, wealth, and prosperity. There are clear exceptions. There are godly people who, who struggle and have difficulties and even uh, die young or are persecuted. But generally speaking, Solomon is saying those who follow God's ways live longer and happier lives. Some of you like myself, have had the, the privilege and the blessing of being raised in a godly home. Having parents who kind of centered their life around Jesus. They weren't perfect. Uh, there was some tension at times, maybe even some fighting at times. But in general, the, the household kind of followed the Lord. And I don't know if you've, you've been in a house like that versus a house where there's little to no regard for God or for his word. There's just a dramatic, dramatic difference. 
what a blessing it is to live in an environment for you parents and grandparents to create an environment that's centered on Jesus. There are benefits uh, in, in that regard. So truth number one, wisdom is rooted in sound teeth teaching. And that's why if you have been around Crossroads very long, you understand that we highly, highly value teaching from God's word. We believe that the Bible is the very literal word of God. And we believe that by obeying God's word, uh, life goes better. And that's why when, when we teach the Bible, if a verse says this much, we attempt to teach this much, not less or, or more than the verse uh, attempts to teach. Um, we don't want to add to it or take it away because as the creator of the universe, God has the rightful authority and the wisdom. He's all-knowing to understand what we need to hear and how to live our best life possible. Wisdom obeys God's word. And as we go through these four points, I just want to throw out a real quick application to each of them. And the application to point one is that because living our lives centered around the truth of God's word is the path to wisdom and it's the path to the best life that we can experience, make God's truth a part of who you are. Let God's word shape your values. Let it shape your worldview. Make decisions that are consistent and in harmony with God's truth. And then see, no matter what you've done in the past, if you begin to do that, see if life in general doesn't begin to be experienced with more peace and more joy. Truth number two that Solomon points out is that wisdom rests in trusting God. Verses five and six, and I would not be surprised again if, if this is the most quoted proverb in the book of Proverbs for good reason. Uh, Levi and I could do an entire series just on, on these two verses, and probably someday we should. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Church, the emphasis here is on trusting in God rather than trusting ourselves. The path to wisdom rests in trusting God with all your heart, in all your ways. And when the Bible speaks about our heart, he's not talking about the muscle that's in your chest pumping blood through your body. The Bible is talking about the center of who we are, our mind, our will, that place that we make choices, our, our emotions, in, in general, all of that. When we center our hearts, our mind, will, and our emotions on God and on his truth, in general, we can expect life to go better. And even when it doesn't go well, at bare minimum, we have peace and we have contentment in the midst of the difficulty that we're experiencing. When we trust in God's thoughts, God's desires, and God's plans, when we trust that those things are better than our own, we make better decisions and we reap the benefit of that.
Church Solomon would say that wisdom consults God in everything, always, immediately, and quickly. He would call us to live every moment of every day with an ear toward heaven. He would challenge us to ask God, Lord, is this opportunity that I'm considering from you? Lord, are you in this venture that I'm about to get involved in? Should I take this road, God? Is this a person that I can trust, Lord? How do I handle this situation? At every decision, at every crossroads, acknowledge him, heed him, ask him, do I turn right here or left? Lord, you point the way and I will follow. We often talk about the fact that we don't follow a religion because we have a relationship with our creator and with our Lord. God invites us to talk with him and he promises to respond. As you're praying about something and, and you feel a little check in your heart, that's a time to push the pause button and to, to continue to pray, continue to ask and, and listen the application in, in this point here is maybe at some point make a list of the decisions that, that you are about to make or that you have to make on a regular basis, whether those are small decisions or fairly large decisions, and then set some time aside and ask God what you should do. So how do we hear from God? It's a little side note. Only going to take a second here to, to, to tell you what we tell you often. How do we hear from God? We hear from his word, from scripture. If you've got a decision to make, consult God's word. And it doesn't spell out everything, but we would be absolutely amazed at how many different places the Bible addresses all the kinds of things that we pray and we ask about. If the Bible says it, we don't need to really even go on to step two and three. You can if you want for affirmation. But if the Bible's clear on it, we've already heard from God. Second thing is the Holy Spirit. When we trust our lives to Jesus Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God literally comes and dwells in our hearts and communicates with us. It's that still small voice at times that says, yeah, this is what I have for you or, or no, uh, slow down, don't move in that direction. Sometimes again, the Holy Spirit says yes. Sometimes he says no to some of the things that we're asking. And sometimes he simply says not yet or just, just wait. The third way that God communicates to us is, is through godly counsel. Friends, if you don't have somebody in your life who will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear, begin to pray about that and, and find somebody in your life that, that would fit that bill. We all need godly counsel, people who will give us truth. Trust God. Two simple words, but so often so difficult to follow. Why is it hard for you and I to trust God? We don't trust God often because we're too self-sufficient. We, we try to get ourselves out of our jam. We're not humble enough to acknowledge that we need help. Sometimes we're just resourceful enough living in our country and with relationships that we have, but we're too self-sufficient. Another reason we fail to trust in God is that we're too quick 
to call on others. Many of us have friends that are, are much smarter than we are, better connected than we are, better resourced, uh, and, and we turn to them often instead of turning to God. And sadly, in my life, there are times where I give a higher priority, it would seem, to, to some of my friends' wisdom and advice than I do God's. Another reason we fail to trust God is that we believe the lie that God is distant and he is uninterested in our lives. Nothing could be further from the truth, but for some reason, we're prone to believe that lie. A final reason, and there are many more reasons why we fail to trust God, part of it is that we're better worriers than we are trusters. And if you're a worrier out there, don't, don't receive that as a criticism. Uh, we all do a fair bit of worrying, you know, rather than trusting. Uh, but we need to trust God. Church, when, when life gets expected, unexpectedly turned upside down, and it will, your life right now may be unexpectedly turned upside down. When that happens, it's a great time to cry out to the Lord. Trust Him. That's one of the reasons I love the lyric of the, the song Waymaker that we sang again this morning. And Rachel, thanks for leading us this morning while we gave our worship team a break. Um, my wife is aware of the fact that when you, you marry a pastor, uh, some of those responsibilities fall your way quicker than others, but uh, it was beautiful. Anyway. Yeah, we don't want Levi singing for sure, but, but that Waymaker song, he's a Waymaker, a miracle worker. Caleb and Abby are experiencing that right now. He is a promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And this is my favorite couple of lines from the song. Even when I don't see that you're working, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That is some really, really good truth in that song. We would be wise to make that song an anthem. Start our day out remembering that we can indeed trust God. Friends, I think we, we realize none of us knows what tomorrow is going to bring. I think it kind of frightens us. It frightens me at times. None of us knows what tomorrow will bring. When your loved one or you face a very unwelcomed uh, health condition, trust God. When your work environment challenges you in ways that you never expected to be challenged, trust God. When your adult child's life seems to veer off course in ways that you are absolutely convinced is going to bring them pain and certain disaster, trust God. When the dream just simply dies, you can trust God. When the bank account is empty, but the bills continue to pile up, trust God. When the future is uncertain and direction is desperately needed, trust God. When loneliness seems to overshadow any joy in your life, trust God. When depression or anxiety get a chokehold on you, trust God. When violence fills the streets of New York City or crouches outside your door, you 
can trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is an invitation. It's an encouragement. It's even a warning that life goes better when we trust God and trust his word rather than trust ourselves. About a week ago, I had the opportunity, Lynn and I did, to vacation with my identical twin brother and his wife. And uh, as we were driving home, I was letting him know that I was going to have the privilege of teaching Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And was really kind of wrestling with what's a way to illustrate trusting in God rather than trusting in our own senses. And I would never admit this to him, but he is a little smarter than I am. And right away, he said, well, Wes, it's, it's like a pilot trusting their instruments rather than trusting in themselves. And I don't know if you know this or not, but a, a pilot of an airplane or a helicopter, because of the way that we're wired, God didn't make us necessarily to fly. We don't have wings. We are kind of people to be on the ground. And so when you're in the air, we require seeing the horizon to maintain our balance and, and our sense of direction. And uh, so we've got some instruments there on the, on the screen. When a pilot flies into a cloud, a condition called spatial disorientation often takes place. They don't see the horizon, and so they feel like they're continuing to fly in the straight direction. But study after study after study indicates even though they think they're flying in the same direction, they tend to kind of start to do a slow bank, which is okay for a short period of time, but after a minute or two, they end up in a tailspin called the death spin, because 90% of crashes in the airline industry that are related to spatial disorientation end up being fatal crashes. And, and, and so Caleb Nofsinger, we've been talking about Caleb, he's actually got his pilot's license. And uh, Caleb said there was a time he himself flew into a bank of, of clouds. And, and he would say it was the most terrifying experience in his life. And the reason he survived that is because he did what you're supposed to do in those times. He looked down at his instruments and made sure that his wings were actually uh, going where they needed to go instead of going into uh, a tailspin. In the same way, church, there are many times in life when our flesh, our human way of thinking about things and doing things, tells us one thing. And God in his word tells us something different. In those times, we need to trust God, use him to be our, our instrument and our guide rather than trusting in ourselves. The point of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is that it is simply foolish to think that we know how to do life better than God does. Trust God. Solomon says wisdom is rooted in sound teaching, and he says wisdom rests in trusting God. We've got two more, and we're going to do these pretty quickly. Number three is wisdom rewards those who obey. In verses 7 through 10, take another look at that. Solomon says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over to new wine. 
Again, I'm not going to say much about this. This is that general promises that we were talking about earlier again. Uh, he mentioned uh, uh, earlier in this Proverbs, longer life, peace, and prosperity. And now in verse 8, he mentions health to your body and nourishment to your bones. The sense here that Solomon is talking about is that, um, that following God and his ways is not only good for your health, but, but again, it's just a, a principle of, of, a, of vitality, an encouragement deep in your soul uh, that, uh, that we can experience. In verse 9, Solomon talks about the wisdom of honoring God with your wealth uh, that he's entrusted us with. And uh, he mentions biblical, the, the biblical stewardship principle of giving God first and trusting him to meet our needs. Now, this verse is not teaching that we give to God in order to get. It's not an investment strategy. It's simply pointing out the truth that we can trust God with the resources that, that we have at our disposal and that we can never, ever, ever outgiving. You and I have all heard story after story about people who practiced generosity with God and found that God not only continued to meet their needs, but do so in an abundant kind of a way. So whether it involves our finances, our sexuality, parenting, our work ethic, relationships, decisions, trusting and obeying God will be rewarded, if not here on earth, certainly in heaven. So here's the application point here. Is there an area of willful disobedience in your life? That's a tough question. We'd be wise to honestly ask ourselves, is there an area of willful disobedience in our lives? Is that something maybe God is asking us not to do that we're doing? Or something God is asking us or encouraging us to do uh, that, that we're, we're not being obedient in? Trust and obey God and see if there's not reward with a, a level of renewed joy and peace in your life. Let me quickly mention the final uh, truth of wisdom here. Wisdom involves accepting discipline. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. Solomon says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. These words, this proverb was actually quoted again by the, the writer of Hebrews and in Hebrews chapter 12, you can see it and it kind of expounds on it here. All who know the Lord, all of us that are in a relationship with him, are disciplined and corrected because God, like a, a, an earthly father, loves his children. It's to train us, to discipline us. Such discipline is, is not a, a punishment. It, it's teaching and training. It's not because God is angry with us. That's another one of the lies that we believe. God's angry at me, so he let this happen. It's not about that. It's because he loves us that he disciplines and he trains us. Think about the love that any healthy parent or grandparent has for their children. God has that kind of love for you and I. He takes no joy in correcting us, but he loves us enough to do it. Church, here's the point. Wisdom receives the Lord's discipline and then learns from it. Wisdom realizes that the real path to joy comes in admitting that we're broken, that we're flawed. There is so much freedom that comes in being able to do that. 
We find life by admitting that apart from God, we are in fact spiritually dead. We find life when we realize that apart from Christ, we face final and eternal judgment. So we turn to Jesus, the Jesus crucified, risen, and the one that forgives us of our sins. And when we see the uh, crucified Christ and the wisdom of God, uh, we find our joy in the cross where forgiveness uh, is given to us. It's another way of, of putting it is that when we turn to wisdom, we turn to Christ and we gain life. Final application here is, is, is there an area in your life again where you're, you're wrestling with God, where he's challenging you on some things? Maybe he said no to something that you continue to push towards. Maybe he said yes to something and you've not begun to, to move that direction yet. I understand that some of those situations are very, very difficult and painful and confusing. However, when the Holy Spirit or the Word of God begins to ask you to let go of something, uh, it's a good thing to let go of it. If he asks you to grab a hold of something, it's a good thing to grab a hold of it. I want to encourage you, as, as this message has, to trust God, to yield to him. To wait on him. Like an earthly parent who loves their child too much to give up uh, when they resist our authority, God is more committed to our good than he is to our comfort. Let me pray for us and uh, we'll continue next week in, in Proverbs uh, and uh, we'll continue to have childcare. And there will be two services next week, one at 9 o'clock and one at, at 1030 as well. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord that you are a God that is trustworthy. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your uh, never-ending love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your wisdom. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you're an all-powerful God, that you're an all-knowing God, uh, that you uh, have the past, the present, and the future all before you. And, and Lord, we cannot even begin to imagine why but you choose to love us. Uh, you choose to have a relationship with us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for um, just the opportunity we have to surrender our lives to you and to trust you uh, with everything, with our, our whole heart. Lord, I, I pray for individuals that might be here this morning. I'm convinced there are individuals that are here this morning, Lord, that are just at the, the midst of a crossroads where they can trust themselves or or do what seems like uh, a scary thing to do, that they can slide over in the passenger seat and let you uh, drive the, the, the car. And Lord, I pray for individuals that are at that point right now, and I pray for all of us that, that when we find ourselves in those situations, that we will trust your goodness, we'll trust your judgment, and, and we'll obey your word. Thank you for who you are, and we pray that you'd uh, encourage us as we go. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.